There I was in Chengdu, deep in the west of communist China. The artist in front of me showed me a beautiful and massive hand-painted scroll of the most exquisite landscape. He wanted $100 for it. I had about $150 on my person in a country that had no such thing as an ATM. But my friend told me that all agreed he was the best artist in the city. And when was I ever going to get another chance like this? And so I bartered for it, and I made the purchase for $50, still a princely sum at that time and place. It was 1986, and I was 22. I had been studying land reform in Taiwan, and I was on my way back to the U.S. for graduate school. But I wanted to see China. It had just begun to open up to tourists. I couldn't afford a normal tour, and I didn't want to go on one of those anyway. I wanted to see the real China, even if I had to go alone. And so I did what I would never have allowed any of my children to do. <laughs> I stowed my belongings in a locker at the Salvation Army Hotel in Hong Kong, in an era where there were no cell phones, at a time when no one could know where I was at any given moment. I went to a backpack shop, and I bought a bootleg visa. So I was a little naive. I was also poor. I could only afford to spare about $200 for my entire two-week journey. So I outfitted my new but comically small backpack with a change of clothes, a roll of toilet paper, a jar of peanut butter, a bag of M&Ms, a package of disposable chopsticks, and one disposable bottle of water, one. I had two rolls of film for my camera, but only one set of batteries, and one set of batteries for my Panasonic version of a Walkman. I had but one cassette tape, also bootleg. It was Dire Straits, Band of Brothers. <laughs> the M&Ms and the music were reserved for, well, the most dire of straits. <laughs> Neither of them lasted very long because I was so woefully unprepared for such a journey, I am astonished I survived. I'd forgotten to take malaria pills, my vague travel plans fell apart after about the second day when I realized I couldn't always pick where I wanted to go if I wanted to go anywhere in a country that had no transportation network. I had been in Canton, now Guangzhou, for about a day when I bumped into a black marketeer who told me where I could get local Chinese currency instead of what the government issued to tourists. That money was only good for what the government wanted tourists to buy. I wanted to shop in normal stores, even if they didn't sell very much. So the dodgy person told me where the drop point was, <laughs> under a bridge. <laughs> and so that's where I went to get my cash. Soon I had rented a flying rabbit bicycle to tour around the city. I was involved in three minor collisions, I broke two laws, and I had my bike impounded. <laughs> I was getting really good at petty crime. Or, or I, I couldn't read Chinese, one or the other. So I booked passage on a packed, slow-moving boat with no chairs, no deck, or anything remotely comfortable for an 18-hour ride inland. It was at this point that I had asked myself, what was I thinking when I did this? Maybe it was the cold rice or the cockroaches or the utter lack of dignity or privacy lying shoulder to shoulder on thin mats on this boat with total strangers. But no, I think it was the spider hotel that doubled as the open air latrine on the back of the boat. <laughs> as multiple things began to descend to inspect me, 
I tried not to look up because I hate spiders. But there they were. It was like Charlotte descending to greet Wilbur. Only lots of Charlottes, and I was not pleased to make their acquaintance. But I was disavowed of my regret and rewarded for all my troubles when I finally made it to the then tiny hamlet of Yang Shuo, in the midst of the most beautiful limestone mountains I could have imagined. Suddenly, it was all worth it. Other backpackers, mostly from Europe, were abundant, and so I found company for dinner. The meal was the most delicious beef and broccoli stir fry I have ever eaten. So as I was leaving the little restaurant, I decided to peek into the kitchen. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to die. <laughs> I thought the same thing at my little hotel, a converted house, as I settled in for the night under an expansive pink mosquito net. And the walls began to move. I tucked that net underneath me, and I did not sleep very much most of the night until early morning when the spiders began to retreat. Well, I rented another bicycle to ride around those captivating mountains. It was another world entirely. I don't think I broke any laws that day, but I did disappoint two young Chinese farmers who saw my camera and signaled that I should take their picture and then waited expectantly for a photo to appear. I didn't have a Polaroid. I didn't even know what they, how they knew what a Polaroid was. They lived in a mud house with no windows or electricity. Well, with my limited Chinese, I made my apologies, and I kept cycling around the mountains. To my surprise, the only place I could afford to get to next was Chengdu, a city I had barely heard of and wasn't intending to visit. But I went. My mode of transportation was an airplane. It flew at about 5,000 feet, and it rattled like it was about to fall apart at any moment. We didn't even have fixed seats. They gave us folding chairs. <laughs> they clipped into the floor. But the flight attendants gave us snack boxes to take our minds off of crashing. And so it worked. The view was great, and we landed safely. I had struck up a friendship with a young Chinese swimmer on that flight, and we decided to spend the next day together. Chengdu is where I saw my first panda. It's where I saw homes carved out of mountains like caves with wooden entrances. It's also where I ate my first Sichuan food, and I hope never to experience that again. <laughs> but this is also where my friend and I encountered the artist with the scroll. Having made that prized purchase, I mused in my journal that night that I might regret it if I run out of money, but it was worth the risk. I took that scroll with me everywhere. It was stood about four feet high. I tied a string around it, and I strapped it on my back, and I took it everywhere. I even slept with it when I was in communal settings, which was, which was frequently. Well, the next city to beckon was Xi'an, the ancient capital, mostly because it was the only city in a northerly direction that I could get to from Chengdu. But what a beautiful city. The ancient walls were still there. About a decade before, the terracotta soldiers had been unearthed. And I was able to witness some of the early efforts at excavation. Much of what I saw in the rest of the city occurred as I was running around trying to find a hotel that would let me in. 
Backpackers were routinely turned away from hotels that only catered to tour companies. But the Double Dragon Hotel was perfect for me anyway. Cost, $3. It was meant for Chinese tourists. I had the distinction of being the first American to stay there. But the manager was so kind and so helpful that he made sure I had a clean bed and a nice mosquito net. And then the next morning, he drove me to the train station in his brand new van like I was some sort of celebrity visitor. That level of personal kindness was indicative of the normal people that I met, in contrast to the government functionaries that I had to deal with on occasion. Case in point, my next stop, Beijing. Money was tight, and so I had to take a train but the Ticketmaster was not going to sell an American backpacker any ticket of any kind. She said the train was full. Well, third class is never really full, and I knew this, and I knew that this was my only chance to get to Beijing. And so while I understood no ticket and her efforts to get me to leave the counter, I put on my dumb American girl act, and I said, yes, Beijing, ticket, Third class, thank you. Kept pushing my money forward until she finally gave up in exasperation and sold me the ticket. <laughs> I soon regretted not having more money for a better ticket. For traveling in the 1980s on a Chinese train put me in the company in third class with heavily smoking and yelling men stacked three high in bunks of cabins that held six people with only enough room to hop out of the bunk. I spent most of my time wandering the narrow hallway next to the windows so I could breathe. But finally, finally I was in the city I had been trying to reach, Beijing, the capital. It was vast, dusty, full of bikes and buses and some cars. Lodging for backpackers was in a seedy part of town where they put us all in a communal room on cots, no mosquito nets. Mosquitoes weren't really a problem that far north, so that was okay. Bed bugs, however, were plentiful. I woke up the next morning with bites from head to toe. I might have preferred Charlotte back on the boat <laughs> to these nighttime visitors. But I learned the next night to line my cot with newspaper and sleep on top of everything I had. Just like my troubles back on the boat, this headache was worth it because Beijing was the gateway to the Great Wall, which in those days was so curious and so mysterious to me. So I met up with some Swedish girls who were planning to go visit the wall. We had a great time climbing the steeper portions as we went along that beautiful wall that snaked along the mountain ridges like a giant serpent. Then we went into the city to see the Forbidden City and Tiananmen Square. I took a few pictures of the soldiers when they weren't looking. It would only be three years later that I would see that same space on TV and watch a lone man stare down a tank. Well, my Swedish friends went their way as I wandered around the Chinese communist museums. And then I got lost trying to get back to the hostel where I was staying. And then I almost passed out with dehydration. But I had a larger problem looming over me. I had no money. 
I started thinking, I'm going to be trapped in China. Fortunately for me, I learned that Visa International had just recently established a connection to the Bank of China. It took some hunting, but I was able to find the right office to where I could get a cash advance so I could buy a first-class ticket on a 36-hour express sleeper train all the way to the southern border. I had been wanting to get there. I was 2,000 kilometers away, and I needed to get to Hong Kong for my flight to South Korea. So when I got to the train, it was such a luxury. No Charlottes to greet me in the loo. A door on the cabin. Yes, I was sharing space with some strangers, but that wasn't a problem. When I got to the border, I was able to walk into Hong Kong, then still part of the British Empire, with great relief. Soon, I'd gathered my belongings out of the locker, and I was on a flight to South Korea to see a friend before I could head home. I was still dangerously low on cash. Remember, I was poor. So I couldn't afford a hotel in Seoul. My friend's professor and his wife offered me a place to stay that night. It was very kind. They also took me shopping for clothes. I didn't think I looked that ragtag. <laughs> in our conversations, I told them about my scroll, how I'd coddled it, how I prized it, how I took such care of it. And then as I showed it to the professor, he reacted with such emotion because it reminded him of his ancestral homeland. And because of his political activities, he was barred from traveling to China. Suddenly, I knew I had a decision to make, to thank them for their kindness and to give them hope that the professor might one day return to his homeland. I gave them the scroll. It kind of broke my heart to part with that beautiful piece of artwork that I had been dreaming about hanging on some future wall in some future home. But I knew it was the right thing to do. So I boarded my last flight with a few trinkets I had picked up along the way, hopefully some photos on my camera roll, and a lot of great memories of a grand adventure. People ask me, would I do this again? Not in the way I did it. It was reckless, this is what I tell my children, irresponsible. <laughs> and anyway, adventures are not repeatable. That's what makes them such singular treasures to share on occasion with new friends. <laughs> <laughs>